On today's episode of Techno, we're speaking with the CEO and co-founder of Converged Technology Networks, Malawi, Brian Munyawo Longwe. Please tell us about your business. What is the meaning behind the name of your business and also what is the nature of the business that you're running? Okay, so Converged Technology Networks is an internet service provider. Um, the meaning behind the name comes from the concept of convergence, which is a phenomenon that has occurred over the last 10 to 15 years or so in telecommunications. Whereas previously you had voice, video and data running on completely separate networks. You had Malawi Broadcasting Corporation doing television. You had Malawi Telecoms doing voice in terms of tele telephones and um, voice services. And then you had other networks doing data. Nowadays, and uh, this is a phenomenon that has happened all over the world, everything has converged onto one network. So the concept of convergence is basically all these three formerly disparate technologies coming together to run on one network and one architecture. And we are about to build platform and a converged network in Malawi that allow Malawians to experience full convergence in their homes, to enjoy their voice, their video, and their data communications from one platform. So that's what Converged Technology Networks is all about. How long have you been operating for? So um, the company was registered back in 2017, but has actually been operating in terms of running our own network systems since January 2019. It took us a little bit of time to pull together the funding to get started and get all the uh, T's crossed and I's dotted to get ourselves going. Plus, I was previously in a full-time job, so we weren't really able to kick off the company until I was able to, you know, sort of free myself up to do that. What inspired you to finally go full-time into Converge and to just focus on it? And how did you make that transition? Well, I think personally, I am a little bit of a risk taker. Um, I started my first company way back in 1993. So, you know, about 24 years ago. Um, and I have been involved in a number of other startup ventures uh, over those years in different um, sort of countries as well as different uh, areas of technology. All of them have been technology related. I'm a bit of a techie. Uh, so there is something about running startups that I think I am addicted to. There's a bit of excitement. There's a bit of challenge. There's a lot of, um, you could call it uh, edge of your chair type of moments, a lot of tension. Uh, maybe I just get a thrill from, you know, living on the edge. I don't know. Um, but yes, uh, I've found that over the years, if I am in an employment situation, I tend to kind of get bored and want to get into something that will drive me and um, sort of give me that excitement that I get from building something from nothing and making it into something. 
And how many people are currently employed by your business? At the moment, we have uh, six staff. It's a small company still. What was your recruitment process like? Did it only involve Malawians or you also employed people from outside the country? Uh, all the employees are from Malawi and we haven't had to bring in people from outside the country. Um, of course, being that we are kind of uh, very innovative as a company and always trying out new stuff, it has been a little bit of a challenge really finding um, people who can be able to sort of learn and grow at the same time as also having a little bit of fundamental knowledge themselves. But um, it comes with the terrain, you know, when you're a technology company that's trying to be on the cutting edge, it's a constant learning process. So the key ingredient to work in this company and one of the things that I emphasize anytime that we are hiring is, you know, you need to be curious. You need to sort of be a lifetime or a lifelong learner and you need to be able to communicate well ask questions you know don't be afraid to say i'm stuck or i don't know what i'm doing or you know i need help because the sooner you do the sooner we are able to move past that hurdle and get uh, you know a way forward for you as an individual um, but also for the business and for the customer who is being served. So, yeah, um, we've been able to hire locally. We found good people, a good team. Um, as we grow, we'll continue to source from the local market. And what we look for is mainly just, you know, teachability. And where are you based? And where across the country do your services currently reach? So we're based in Lilongwe, the capital. And uh, at the moment, we have licensed... Uh, we are licensed by MACRA for provision of services within Lilongwe. Um, we decided to focus initially on Lilongwe and take advantage of a new licensing framework that MACRA came up with a few years ago. Um, if you had tried to set up a telecommunications network five or 10 years ago, uh, the only license you have been able to get from MACRA was a national level license and those were fairly expensive and still are fairly expensive um, but a few years ago they changed the market structure they changed the licensing framework and they decided to create licenses that allow operation not only at national level but also at regional level so you have north central and southern regions then at district level you can get a district level license and city level so each, as you go smaller, the fee for each category becomes lower. So in the interest of putting as much money as we could towards building the network and getting services to people, we opted to go for the smaller uh, territory license and put more of the capital we raised towards actually just connecting Malawians to the internet. Um, as we grow, and as we feel that we have reached certain milestones in the long way, we will expand further. And this is something that we've already discussed with Macra um, and agreed on in terms of a growth strategy. We've shared our projections with them. So eventually we do want to be countrywide, but for now we are situated and focused purely um, in the long way. Tell us a bit about some of the products or the packages that you offer. 
Yeah, so one of the key things that differentiates us as a company is that we've decided to focus on where we feel the majority of unmet demand lies. Um, and this is mainly in the homes. Majority of homes in Malawi are not connected to the internet. Uh, official ITU or International Telecommunication Union statistics show that the whole of Malawi has only 15,000 uh, fixed internet connections, fixed broadband internet connections. Now this means an internet connection that is tied to a specific location, not your MiFi or mobile device, but a connection that connects a particular physical location like a house or an office. There are only 15,000. Now that is very low given the size of the country and the number of population. Um, if you compare, you find actually more than 15,000 on a single street in a city like Johannesburg or London or Lagos or Cairo or Nairobi. Um, so we have a long way to go as a country. And this is an area that has been neglected for years by most of the operators and the ISPs that have been in the market before us, mainly because it's not a high margin market. You can't milk a lot of profit out of connecting homes. So it's a low margin uh, market. You have to actually provide people with services at a price that fits their pocket, that fits their budget. So we've developed our packages and um, priced them in affordable uh, packages that are able to be accessed by the average Malawi household, middle income, working class uh, households. And that's where we are putting our focus. We, have, we are also coming up with a product that um, we would like to pitch to students. And this uh, is a product that would provide them again with internet access that fits their pocket. Um, one thing I must say about the way we've designed our services is that we provide unlimited and uncapped internet. Um, and I think that's one of the things that our customers love the most about our service is that they don't have to worry about the bundle expiring. They don't have to worry about running out of data because as long as they've paid for the month, they have service for that month. Um, and we work on the basis of a monthly subscription. So you pay once and you use as much as you can or as much as you want for the duration of that subscription. And we are carrying the same philosophy in the development of our student package, whereby we will be offering students for a very, very, very low uh, monthly fee, the ability to you know, have access that doesn't expire. Um, these are, this product is not yet in the market. It's still uh, in a manner of speaking in the kitchen being cooked, um, but we should be serving it soon and we'll be essentially targeting um, college students, university students, we'll be looking to see how we can partner with the institutions to put up 
Wi-Fi hotspots at their um, campuses, uh, and then give them the opportunity to connect using the devices whenever they are on campus. As a risk taker, how beneficial is it for you to be operating in this business that you've also highlighted that it's you know quite expensive for you to set up and also perhaps to even run to some point so for you being a risk taker why did this particular field of business apart from the fact that you're passionate about it why are you still invested in this um yeah so i think one one characteristic that uh, defines me is of course as i've mentioned already um, you know, taking the risks. But the other one, and this is the thing that makes me wake up every morning, this is my passion, is making an impact, making a difference, changing people's lives for the better. And this is one thing that, one thing that makes me grieve and almost feel so torn up is just how far behind we are as a country compared to our neighbors. You know, if you go just across the border into Tanzania or into Zambia and you see the extent to which ICTs or information and communication technologies have permeated people's daily lives and are being applied and used in business, in education, in healthcare, it's amazing, you know, and the rest of the world is pretty much at the same level. But here in Malawi, we are so far behind and that's so sad. And why? You know, that's a question that one would have to ask. There are so many reasons probably that could be given, but rather than spending time crying over spilt milk, why don't we do something about it? And why don't we fix our own problems? And why don't we build a better future for ourselves and for our children? And that's what I am all about. That was, that's what drives me. Um, you know, the investment capital that has come into this business and, you know, that we continue to draw down and look for, to grow the company and to grow and expand the business could have been used elsewhere with much better returns. But we are passionate about Malawi and we are going to, we believe, make a difference and prove that yes, something better, something good can come out of, um, you know, out of ourselves. We can, we can do it. You know, if I may borrow from Barack Obama, he said, well, yes, we can. <laughs> So, you know, it's an optimistic outlook that we have um, for a better future for ourselves, for Malawi, and for our citizens. K Radio. The business environment is more crowded than ever these days, selling similar products and services while other businesses are closing down. The biggest challenge is getting your message out to the right audience. Increase your chances of selling out massively by advertising with K-Radio today. K-Radio. Welcome back and still in our conversation on techno with Brian Munyao Longwe about Converge Technology Malawi. So in your opinion, what do you think has been or has been some of the contributing factors to why there is low internet penetration in Malawi and even maybe in some other parts of the Sadiq region? Yeah, so um, the 15,000 is fixed digital connections. So it's actually connections that are physically connecting premises. Uh, there are many more people who are connected on mobile devices um, 
and so on and so forth. But in terms of fixed connections, it's only 15,000. What are the reasons for this? The key reason, the biggest and something that everybody is always talking about and you go on social media and hear about it every day is cost. The internet in Malawi is simply too expensive. It's ridiculous. Um, the prices are just so high. And, you know, this has been the case for years and years and years. And we want to change that. We want to make internet a commodity. We want to make internet something as common um, commonplace as, you know, a Fanta or a Coca-Cola, something that you don't even think twice about eating. Um, or maybe even, you know, to simplify it more, you know, the Ufa that we eat a lot of, you know, let it not be something that one has to think hard about, oh, can I afford this? No, it's a must have and something that should be easily accessible to everybody. That's our philosophy. And that's what drives us. So the key factor that has prevented and acted as a limiter um, is the high cost and the high price of internet. For many years, as a landlocked country, Malawi was at the mercy of international brokers who took advantage and charged high prices to bring national connectivity or to sell international connectivity to Malawian telecommunications companies. But that changed quite a number of years ago. And one would have thought that, oh, since the cost structure, international connectivity has changed, then the price should go down and Malawians should get better affordable services. But no, in services, the incumbents, the operators and the telcos and the ISPs just kept the money for themselves. They've kept the savings for themselves. And I'm sorry to say this, but we have a lot of greedy people here who have been benefiting of the poverty of this country. Um, and it's so sad. So it is possible for these services to be provided more affordably. We, will, we are aiming to do it. We're making a lot of enemies as we do, <laughs> sad to say, but it can be done. And that's what we're all about. And that has been the biggest um, limiter. Obviously there are other things that you know, disadvantage us as a country, the fact that we are landlocked means that we have to pay an extra bit to carry and transport international bandwidth from the submarine sea cables that connect the African continent. But even then, the basic cost of bringing in that international bandwidth can still be um, accessed at a level that can provide affordable services to Malawians. From a business point of view, could you break it down for us, maybe in summary, the cost of providing internet? Why is internet so expensive? Like, you know, people say it's maybe the tax or the fibers and stuff like that. Could you paint a picture as to why the cost of internet is currently where it is or why you've decided to price yours at that particular figure? I like using analogies sometimes when uh, talking about technology because it's not always so easy to understand. So using an analogy, something that's commonplace and more a part of people's everyday lives um, makes it much easier to understand. So let's imagine a restaurant, okay? And think about internet services, like going into a restaurant to eat some food. Now, if you look at the pricing 
of the meals that are served in that restaurant. There are a number of factors that come in and influence the price that one will pay to eat a meal in a particular restaurant. Of course, there's the raw materials, the ingredients of the food. You have to pay, the, the restaurant owner has to buy the meat, they have to buy you know, the flour, they have to buy the rice, they have to buy whatever ingredient put together to serve the meal. They then need equipment to you know, prepare the meal. They have to build a kitchen, they have to equip it. And as you know, kitchen equipment could be you know, expensive or it could be cheap. If you're using gas, maybe your, 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 your cost structure is slightly different than if you're using electricity. Um, if you're using very high power cooking, cooking um, equipment, ovens and burners, then your cost structure would be a little bit higher and so on and so forth. Then you need the personnel, of course, the people, the skills to actually now put the raw materials, process them, which is the cooking, the preparation and serve them. And the serving happens on dishes. Some restaurants you go to will serve you on a plastic dish. Some will serve you on a um, ceramic dish, a plate. Some, you know, let's say maybe, you know, fictitiously, a very high-end, you know, spiffy restaurant may serve you on a golden plate, you know? So if you think about the analogy of a restaurant, then you can begin to see how much you can experience variation in price. So you'll have some restaurants where their target market is the upper class. So their prices are extremely high. They serve things like snails, escargot, imported. You know, even if you want to go in and simply order a meal of ufa with a simple deal like chicken, you still pay a premium because it's a pricey establishment. But there are others that are more easily accessible. Um, such as, you know, um, the, the restaurants that are frequented by the average uh, citizen. And in those ones, you find that the prices are fairly average. So, with, with, you know, taking that analogy into mind, you look at the ingredients that come into the cost of delivering internet service. The raw material is your international bandwidth. The raw material is your international connectivity, which we have to buy in wholesale from carriers, they're called carriers that operate internationally. And what they do is they have international bandwidth, they bring it in over submarine cables to a continent like Africa, and they sell it to the operators and the internet providers who are then able to take it into their kitchen, which is now the networks that we build. So the networks that we've built, either 4G networks or Wi-Fi networks or fiber networks, that's, those are the kitchens where now we are able to then take that raw material, package it, prepare it, process it, and then serve it to the customers in, a, in, in you know, on equipment that they can afford and that they can access. So using that analogy, um, I think the key ingredients are bandwidth, international bandwidth as the raw material, the network as the kitchen, and then, of course, the network uh, or the kitchen has to be operated by skilled personnel, people who know what they're doing, a chef. And 
other chefs that work alongside the chef, somebody to chop the onions, somebody to cut the meat, somebody to, you know, um, take care of baking if there's something that needs to be baked, somebody to take care of frying if there's something that needs to be fried and so on and so forth. So you have human, the human element or the HR that goes into now processing and working that network to deliver the connectivity or the service to the end user. From that kind of background and also looking at what you are working to achieve, um, what do you think needs to happen for us to increase our capacity to be able to meet the demand, the growing demand, especially now that Malawi's population is increasing and we're also having this, the coming in of the AFCFTA and the SADC region, all of these things, meaning that the demand for internet is going to continue to go up. But what do you think we need to be doing now in preparation of accommodating the increase in demand for internet services in Malawi? So three things really, I would say are essential for us Malawi as a country to be able to make internet and ICTs accessible to every Malawian in an affordable way. One, we need to become independent of the international brokers and the rent seekers and the profit, profiteers who are currently milking this country who are currently milking this economy because of their grasp on our international bandwidth. How do we become independent? It means that we need to find a way of getting direct access as a country to the submarine networks that provide bandwidth to the continent. Now that would mean by implication, we would have to build our own cable that will run uh, from Malawi across one of the three countries that surround us. Um, okay, well, not really three because Zambia doesn't have a coastline on the other side. So it's only really two countries that have a coastline on the other border and that's Mozambique and Tanzania. So as, as a country, if we could go and sit down with Mozambique, sit down with Tanzania and tell them, guys, this is important for us, we need this. And in line with the AFCFTA and in line with CDC, um, can you give us permission to run our own national fiber cable through your country to connect to the submarine networks on your coastline and give it to us at a price or in a way that is going to allow us to bring bandwidth to our citizens affordably? If we can be able to get that, that will be a huge breakthrough because it will mean that we're able to, we'll, we'll probably reduce our cost by 30, 40, 50, 60 times. You won't believe me if I tell you that right now we are paying between 40 to 80 or 90 times higher for international bandwidth in Malawi than an ISP in Tanzania, an ISP in Mozambique, an ISP in Kenya, and all of these are countries that have direct access to the submarine cable. We're paying a premium. So that would be one way of lowering the cost. The second thing that could be done and needs to be done to, to, in order to lower the cost is right now, we as a company are building our own infrastructure, our own network. You know, um, we're in the process of, you know, and we're going around putting radios on towers, putting up equipment here and there in order to connect our customers. 
we don't have to do that. And you know, everybody else who's operating and providing internet services, everybody's running their own individual networks, like private networks that they have had to you know, invest in and build themselves. That's not necessary. Um, the whole world has moved on to the concept of shared infrastructure, to the concept of shared services. So if we were able to have one very solid open access shared network that goes into every single village, every single town, every single locality, fiber, 4G, 5G, and any provider can connect to that network and simply connect customers. That would um, reduce the cost and the time to deploy for any new company and increase the opportunities for competition. And in any market, if you have more competition, the end beneficiary is the customer. They get the benefit when you have healthy competition. The final and the third thing that we need to be able to address um, the challenges that we're facing here as a country is really for the government to be proactive in terms of introducing incentives, to be proactive in terms of looking at ways to make it easier for the companies that are doing business um, to get out there and actually connect Malawians. Right now, why shouldn't we have a university graduate from Zomba, from Chanko in Zomba, have the vision to start an ISP that will serve just Zomba, or that will just go and start an ISP that will serve just Mulanje, or start an ISP that will serve just Mzimba, you know? But you don't have uh, any of our uh, current university students thinking like that because they look around and they don't see any opportunities in that space. They don't think of this as being something that's accessible. Anybody right now who is thinking about providing internet services has to figure out how to get hundreds of thousands of dollars of capital to be able to make it happen. So it's un unattainable, but it shouldn't be. It should be something that's as easy as deciding to open a kiosk and provide, start selling, you know, um, whatever you want to sell from that kiosk, whether it's sodas and bread and flour and sugar and milk and tea. So government can play a role in terms of making that more accessible um, so that even the smallest and you know, um, investment can be actually applied towards connecting a village, a community, a town, a city. With the pandemic being in the picture, how were your business operations affected and how have you adapted to the new norm with the, the pandemic being in the picture? It's been crazy, really, to, to, to be completely honest with you. Of course, when the pandemic kicked in um, early last year, one of the things that happened was, you know, there was a lot of panic. There was a lot of fear. Um, most organizations shut down. Kids were sent home, schools closed down, and yet life had to continue. So there was a lot of demand now for connectivity in homes. So in a way, that was very good for us because our focus is homes. We provide residential internet. 
So the demand for our services shot through the roof. It was astronomical and it still continues to be so. There's so much demand. Now, what that did to us as a company is it put a lot of pressure on us and on our network to be able to deliver services where people were. Because for you to get service in your house, it means we have to get that connection to you right where you live. That means our network coverage has to extend, extend into your neighborhood and into you know, every other neighborhood around the city. And Lilongwe, as you know, it is quite a big city. It's quite a large city. It's, it's, it's quite distributed. So that put a lot of pressure on us as a company to expand and extend our network. Now, that means extra capital and raising funds in the middle of a pandemic has been very difficult. But by the grace of God, we've been able to do that. And we've been able to not only draw down additional investment capital from international investors, and, um, but we've also been able to invest in the deployment of a 4G LTE network, which is um, probably at the moment your most advanced technology for delivery of wireless broadband services. And we're gradually slowly building that network out and connecting more and more areas of, um, of the city and hopefully in the future of the country. Um, the other thing that affected us and that has been, was affected substantially by the pandemic and still remains a problem is what we can describe as global logistics. Now, what is global logistics? This equipment that we use to um, build our networks and even the equipment that we give our customers to use in their homes to connect to the network and to use the internet, or even to simplify it further, the phone in your hand, the computer that you use, none of those are manufactured in Malawi. They all are manufactured in other countries and many of them in China or in Asia. And we have to import those things from those countries. We have to buy them and import them. Now, global logistics is how do you get that item from China to Malawi? It will have to be put onto a ship. It will have to be put onto a plane. It will have to cross multiple borders. It might have to change if it's on a flight or a plane. It will go through different airports. It has to be moved from this plane to that plane, it has to be moved from this country to that country, it has to be moved from this airport to that airport, and eventually it lands in Malawi, and then we have to clear it. Now, the pandemic affected global logistics um, hugely, massively. Uh, before the pandemic, we would place an order and make a payment with our suppliers, and within three days, we would be collecting the equipment from the airport. After the pandemic, when it hit, uh, delivery times went all the way from three days to three months, so 90 days. Can you imagine? Now that has a huge impact in terms of just being able to reliably deliver services because you're talking about 30 times longer delivery times. That means that in between every order, if you are used to a reorder, reordering every two weeks, now you can no longer reliably say that you'll order equipment now, use it for two weeks, and then place another order and have, have it within two weeks. 
You place an order now, it'll take three months for it to get here. And if you're planning on selling that stuff or using it before you need to reorder, it means that you then have to wait another three months before you can get equipment in. So that has been a huge impact on, um, on business in general, but more so on us as a company. And just to sort of go towards the end, we do experience a lot of connectivity issues sometimes with, you know, the other um, service providers. So how do you handle your customers during those times when the network is down? <laughs> Good question. And actually, today has been a bad day for internet. Um, actually, this week has been a bad week for internet. Um, we have a kind of joke here uh, that we share amongst ourselves. And we say that when it comes to the internet, when Tanzania sneezes, Malawi gets a cold. Um, and that's because we depend on other countries for our international connectivity. So if there's a fiber cut in Tanzania, it doesn't only affect Tanzania or the region where that fiber cut occurred, it affects the whole of Malawi. Um, and this week, I think there's been two or three fiber cuts that have affected um, either part or all of Malawi's internet. Um, and that is a big issue. And that's one of the reasons why we, we need to think about becoming more independent. Um, so yeah, it is a challenge. And how we deal with it is we just try to communicate better as a company. We just try to communicate with our customers. Look, nobody's perfect. We all have either our faults or we encounter circumstances or situations where we're not able to deliver what we've promised our customers to deliver. There's nothing wrong in saying, hey, I have a problem. We have a problem. Your service is gonna be bad for the next hour or your service is gonna be bad for, we don't know how long, but we're chasing, we're trying to get it sorted and it will be sorted as soon as possible. So we try to communicate. We try to communicate in a timely manner, um, as much as possible, we try to notify customers before they start calling us. Um, but of course, in the case where we, we've not been able to do that, of course, we take responsibility and we apologize. But we do our best um, to restore services. As you know, the internet is like a hospital. It never sleeps. You know, people are using it 24 by 7. So the moment there's, a, there's even the slightest hiccup, people just start losing losing it and going crazy. So our work and the choice of vocation that we have um, opted for is right up there in the same class and category as doctors or nurses who can be on call any time of the day in case there's an emergency. How can people connect with you on social media? How can they reach you if they're interested to find out what, you know, how they can connect with you? Could you provide those details for us? Yeah, our handle is very easy. It's Converged Malawi. Converged Malawi. It's the same on Facebook. It's the same on Twitter. It's the same on Instagram. And our website is seen Converged Technology Next. You for Malawi.net. C-T-N-M-W.net. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Techno with Brian Munyao-Longwe as we spoke about Converge Technology Networks and a bit about the internet landscape in Malawi. Stay tuned in for more business conversations right here on Kasupe Radio.